You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. How is it that on some plays, some plays that are extraordinarily brutal, everybody gets up and walks away just fine. And then one day somebody's running down the field untouched and they fall and and it's the worst case scenario. I don't understand the way the body works. You would, you would think that the trauma, uh, I mean, I understand, and I don't know if this is true, you would know better than me, but that the impact of a tackle in football is equivalent of being hit by an automobile. That's what I've heard. Is that a rumor or is that true? No, I mean, these guys are very physical specimens. They're coming in at very high speeds. Um, I mean, is it a, is it a complete car crash? Probably not. But is it, I mean, I guess it depends on the speed, but at the end of the day, this is, these are not small little dinky hits. These are big injuries. Good answer, by the way, on the depends on the speed. You're absolutely right. It does depend on the speed. I agree with, yeah, hundred percent. You're right about that. How is it that though, on the nonviolent plays, what happens? And I either have lost a note or it's buried somewhere deeper that we might talk about soon, but how is it that some of these plays where an, a player becomes injured on what is normally routine, how does that happen? Wouldn't, don't we have warning signs? Don't with the technology available, with the training staffs available, with the, all the money. I mean, when you think about the money that's available and to protect the athletes, is there not enough money to predict these problems? The problem is each brain each situation is unique some guys have a higher risk of developing concussions whether it's their history of concussions or it's the way that their brain formed there's something called a chiari malformation uh, which is a a little bit of a, a, a difference in brain uh, where their their part of their brain grows a little bit lower um, uh, in the skull and, and, and people who have these have a higher risk of uh, developing um, actual, uh, concussions, you get them a lot easier. Um, the other component that they've appreciated is that, uh, kickoffs and, and, and where guys are running full speed that has a tendency to, uh, increase the risk of, um, of actually sustaining a concussion because of the, uh, the amount of force and, and velocity, uh, that, and then the, all of a sudden you just, everything just stops yeah. like, like, like a car crash, you know, it goes from a lot of, uh, kinetic energy and all of a sudden it just, it stops in, in one moment and that energy translates to the brain, uh, into the skull and, and, and it results in a, in a, in a concussive blow. That actually brings up a great point. So you're, you're saying, in one situation, the brain may sit a little lower in the skull, giving you a higher likelihood to suffer a concussion. Is that right? In one situation? Yes, there, there is, there is uh, some truth to that. There is, there is some athletes that have higher, uh, have, um, what's the best word? Um, certain um, syndromes and in, 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 genetic variants that will increase their risk of concussion regardless if they've ever had one before. So I'm going to move from concussions and just ask you a general question. Is injury proneness a real thing? 
Well, um, think about Keenan Allen, 2013, knee sprain. Same year, AC joint sprain. Next year, groin pull, ankle sprain, fractured collarbone. Next year, hip sprain, lacerated kidney. Year after that, ACL tear. None of these things are related. I mean, some of them are related. A few of them are all tied together. But with Keenan Allen, these injuries are spread throughout his body. So I guess I'll ask you a more specific question. Because to be fair, my first guest on the podcast, I was not very fair with that question. Is Keenan Allen injury prone? Looking at his... Looking at, at the injuries that he's displaying, is, is, is there a profile there? Does that exist? That's what I'm asking you. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that I think he gets injured more than a lot of other players. Um, part of that may be that he's honest with the training staff or the training staff is honest with the media. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many uh, guys play with things every week that you never hear about on that never show up in the injury report. There are guys all the time that have surgery in the off season. I, I think I remember last year, Deandre Hopkins had shoulder surgery in the off season uh, that we really never heard about the entire season. And he's like, yeah, I've been playing with it for most of the season. Uh, so a lot of these guys may have it, but they just may never come out and say it until after the fact, or maybe even never, you just never hear about it. Um, so some guys, some training staffs and some organizations have a tendency to be very transparent. Um, some guys, I think, unfortunately, either a high risk for whatever, for genetic, whether it's genetics or training style or, uh, whatever the case may be, diet. I mean, there's a bunch of possibilities or a combination of things. Uh, and then other guys, maybe just luck. I don't know if lucky is the, probably the right term, but that just they, their body can handle it. You know, the Adrian Peterson's of the world that they can, they just heal a lot better than some other people. Uh, genetics is definitely real. There's no question about that. Um, obviously it's hard to quantify or qualify that. Uh, but there are guys who come back like they never missed a step and some guys that just, they never look the same. Well, I guess that begs the next question. I wanted to go on about Odell Beckham right here, but I won't. I think you nailed it all right there with Keenan Allen. Odell Beckham, I was going to say, my argument would be that Keenan Allen has been healthy as of late. For the last three years, we've had no major issues out of Keenan Allen at all. He's been healthy. He's been on the field. Really minor stuff. And you're right. The minor stuff that we're seeing out of Keenan Allen now actually, in a lot of ways, supports your argue, your very first argument that perhaps Keenan Allen is honest and the training staff is honest and the coaching staff is honest and they get the guy off the field before anything terrible happens. You might be right about that because recently any injuries suffered of Keenan Allen have been relatively minor and they've resulted in limited playing time or a missed game. I don't, I don't know if he's missed any games in the last three years, but I don't think he has. Anyway, I mean, he's been really, really reliable the past couple of years. He's definitely been a top 10 receiver statistically. Um, I, 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 without looking at his record, I'm sure he's played in the strong majority of games. I don't know if he's played in all 16, all three years, yeah. uh, but he's definitely played in the majority of them. If he's missed um, games, it's been a one or a two and it's not been, I, yeah, I didn't see it on chunk. the injury report. I looked up his injury report and I didn't see any 17, 18 or 19 games, which is interesting because it's the time of the year to talk about players who have been hurt and who have come back. 
and, and Keenan Allen fits the bill, except he got hurt a long time ago and he's been back and hasn't missed any, any time since then. But we've talked some about ACL tears with Todd Gurley. And one thing that's interesting to me, just as a side note, when I went through our show sheet here and I filled in some details just before the show, I noticed that at least two of the, of the players that we had mentioned for comeback player of the year also suffered ACL tears. Just interesting. I don't know that it's relevant at all. It's not, but it's interesting. Jimmy Garoppolo was actually, was he your recommendation in our first conversation? Not sure to be honest with you. I'm not sure. Either. I mean, it's such a common injury. That's a, not common, common, but it's, you know, it's in, common. In the NFL, it's definitely very common. Hey, and from um, 2000 and what was it? 2013 to 2017, there were 202 ACL tears. That's pretty common. If you ask me, I mean, in the NFL world, 202 oh, yeah. in four years is common. Yeah. I mean, there's probably at least a couple on each team every year, whether they're starters or, or, or second stringers or, you know, uh, you know, practice squad guys, but it, it happens. It's it, the ligament is not meant to do what we're asking it to do. It's just not. So 2019 NFL comeback player of the year. The first on the list was Jimmy Garoppolo. Do what? I guess I don't know how. To, what, what, what should we do for this? Ep, what should we do for this segment? Uh, we've got a few names on the list. Do you want to nominate a guy? I'll nominate Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not my pick, but I'll nominate him because I said his name first. I personally think that while he had a very solid year, they really didn't need him. To win games. Okay. When I said I would nominate him, I did it because I'm the host of the show and I stumbled across the Soshi and I felt obligated to do it to move the show along. I'm going to go on the record right now saying I agree with you, but let's make the argument. I caught some flack on Twitter about this because I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the comeback player of the year. He had an ACL tear. And, but here's, there's good about Jimmy Garoppolo. When he, when Jimmy Garoppolo plays the game, the 49ers win. That's what the stats show. Correct. He's a very safe, uh, logical. He makes very good decisions. But but what we got to remember is that an ACL for a quarterback is completely different than an ACL for a wide receiver or running back. You saw that Garoppolo barely didn't even seem like he missed a step in this first year back. Whereas a guy like we talked about earlier, Dalvin cook, he was basically MIA last year. I mean, he just, he didn't look good at all. And this year he, in my opinion, Dalvin Cook would probably be a better comeback player of the year compared to what he showed last year. And when he just completely took over the planet this year, and there was only a couple guys that ended up, you know, being quote unquote better or more effective than him. Uh, I think um, a better player, a better uh, comment or or injury is actually uh, Emmanuel Sanders. What Emmanuel Sanders did and Demarius Thomas to a lesser extent, um, with with a Achilles rupture and, and subsequent surgery, what he was able to do is very impressive. He really tailed off at the end of the year, 
but he looked very impressive in his time in Denver. Um, and, and, and statistically, uh, my partner at, at the fantasy doctor, Celine Parikh, he actually did a lot of the data for this. He is a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon, um, at Duke. And, um, he, his data shows that like the overall return to play at the same level for an ACL reconstruction, um, using the traditional method was like 30% or something crazy low. It was just really low. So you'd bet against that person regardless of age. And obviously Emmanuel Sanders does not have age on his side. Um, but there's been some new techniques um, and there's just been some new rehab stuff that they've been doing. And it's just, it's panned out. Richard Sherman had bilateral Achilles tears. He has looked fantastic. Um, Emmanuel Sanders looked very respectable um, in the, in the time that he, uh, he was on both, both the 49ers and in Denver. Um, was he a number one for a short period of time? Uh, but he was relevant. Um, you know, he, he's on the field and he's, he's making plays and he, uh, given his age, uh, he's been impressive. So I think he's probably a better, uh, choice. I still don't think he's a slam dunk because he didn't set the world on fire and have a hundred catches and 1200 yards and whatever, eight touchdowns, 10 touchdowns or whatever. Like he didn't do that, but he put up respectable numbers. Uh, so, I mean, while he came back from a significant injury that most people can't come back from at least that quickly and that effectively, it, it was a respectable return. Emmanuel Sanders to me is the clear choice. I, I don't see a lot of competition for comeback player of the year. I would want it to be the quarterback of the team that wins the Super Bowl. That's a fantastic story. Or an, or an Andrew Luck, a 2018 Andrew Luck. What a great story. That, that doesn't, I mean, that's so hard to come by, though. With Emmanuel Sanders, yes, you're right. 66 receptions, 869 yards, five touchdowns. Was that the stat line? I, here's an, I've got this problem where I write down stats sometimes and I don't label them. I think that was his stat line for this year. 66, 869, five touchdowns. But what has my interest is 13.2 yards per reception. 13.2 yards per reception in a new offense that he was traded to. Was it before the season started or was it like two weeks in? It, it was like maybe five or six, five it, weeks. It was like in. right it after it started. It yeah. Mid-season trade. Even better. Makes my point even better. 13.2 yards per reception, midseason trade, recovering from an Achilles injury. At how many years old? A million? He's got to be in his 30s, I believe. In Denver, he averaged 13.4. I excluded all of the Pittsburgh games, and I just looked at his best years, the Peyton Manning years, 13.4. He did 13.2 yards per reception the year after recovering yeah. from an Achilles injury in a new offense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that was was was, was slinging Joe Flacco. But uh, besides the point, he 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 was very impressive. He surprised me, and I did not think he was going to be relevant, and he was. Another name that you have in the list, and a couple more that I can mention, is Cooper Cup. Okay, um, he he came back. Um, he actually uh, looked 
very good. I don't really know what happened to that offense later in the year, and they kind of phased him out. Um, I mean, he was on fire last year uh, in 2019 or 18 before his uh, injury. I mean, he was on just record setting numbers. Uh, he, he was on pace for over almost 1600 yards receiving 10 touchdowns, 116 receptions uh, before the ACL tear. Um, and then he came back and he looked very good. Um, he didn't, whether it was their offense or the other options or whatever it was, he didn't have the same effect this year. I think the ACL definitely played a role in that. And we will see him come back stronger next year. Uh, another guy that and the, those three are all injury related, but I don't think you necessarily have to pick someone injury related um, to, um, to to come back. So, uh, you know, I'll give an even better um, thought uh, and a guy who started on the the Ravens practice squad and ended up landing in uh, a great spot now multimillionaire after getting a uh, a huge extension and we're talking about Darren Waller. Oh yeah. So we're talking about a guy that just went from a nobody to making just he was a top 5 tight end tight end the whole year. I mean, at one point he was on fire. You know, uh, the offense kind of came and went, but um I mean, he had a fantastic uh year that no one no one saw coming. Uh, so that was, that was a cool story. Another injury that you could potentially, at least offensive injury that you can potentially argue, um, is Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry had a crazy set of injuries. He had the ACL last year. And then uh, this is a little bit of a sticking point for me, but, um, he had it what they called a, a, a fractured because it could be a plateau fracture or they called it something in it. I'll look and, it up. And keep it, going. It wasn't accurate. That, the, the part of the reason why I'm, I'm frustrated with it, it was the injury uh, it, that they commented on. They said he had, didn't correlate to what he probably actually had because there's no way he could have came back as quickly as he did. Uh, September um, 11th, 2019, uh, diagnosed with a tibia plateau fracture. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. So a tibia plateau fracture in its normal extent would put him down for the whole year, rest of the year. So obviously it didn't put him down for the year. So unless it was some little, what we call the vulsion fracture or something very subtle, um, this is just, it was a a poor description of the injury. Um, and they made it sound a lot worse in my opinion. Um, and, and I was pretty much assuming he was done for the year only to expect to find him on waivers and, and, and almost all my fantasy leagues only a couple weeks later because he was already coming back. The, the last guy that uh, I think, uh, bears discussion and, 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 uh, most of the nation may not even know who this guy is, uh, except for quote unquote, America's favorite team is Travis Frederick. Yes. So the Travis center Frederick for the, for, was for the, the only, I posted this question on Twitter yesterday and just to tease the episode to see what people thought of the list. Darren Waller got mentioned, which I expected. I took Darren Waller off the list just to be fair, because I expected the episode when I, as I built the show sheet, it looked long. So I trimmed a little bit off. I regret doing that. And somebody called me for it. They said, Hey, what about Darren Waller? They're right. Darren Waller is a front runner, honestly, in a lot of ways for comeback player of the year. The only other player 
that was mentioned that wasn't an offensive player was Travis Frederick. Take it away. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, so he had something that's I've treated a couple times. It's not super common, but it's not really super rare. Either. I forgot the name of it too. It was, it's a genetic, it's a, it's a disease. Uh, it is a disease. It's, it's, it's called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And, and, and basically what happened was he probably, um, he probably got it from eating something abnormal or funky or he contracted it somehow. And basically what it is, it's an autoimmune disease that the body kind of attacks itself uh, and, and, and it just shuts down everything. I wouldn't be surprised if he probably lost 50 to 60 pounds, uh, to be honest wow. with you. I mean, these guys are massive, so that's not surprising, but that's a lot, though. Um, it's a lot of weight. It is. Oh, it's, a, oh, it's a tremendous amount of weight. So the fact that, uh, a, he was able to come back for it and, and I expected him to come back, but I mean, he came back and looked fantastic. So like, um, being able to get that amount of strength back and the amount of energy back after all of the, I mean, the, basically the treatment for this is like almost like chemo treatments. Like they're potent. They are these, this, you really have to hit this hard in order to, to kill it. Um, so he had to go through all that kind of start from scratch and then he had to start, uh, pushing and getting all that weight back on and getting the strength and versatility and range of motion. So, I mean, it was impressive. It really was. Uh, and, and, and most people may have not have appreciated it unless you're either a crazy football fan or, or a Cowboys fan, but he, uh, definitely, uh, deserves a significant amount of credit. I don't know if he ended up getting all pro or not, but he should have, uh, based on his in, incredible season. I want to uh, say that he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is another name that you could, you could, yes, you could, uh, I begged you, you know, was I, I begged you to consider Teddy Bridgewater. Here's my problem with Jimmy Garoppolo. My problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is if we talk about him as a legitimate comeback player of the year candidate, we have to talk about Teddy Bridgewater also, because I think they each check a similar number of boxes. Neither of them complete the whole picture. Teddy Bridgewater stepped back in and that that entire team didn't skip a beat. They didn't lose a game under Teddy Bridgewater after his knee injury, by the way, was that an ACL or an MCL or an ACL and an MCL? And that was everything. I think his whole knee so, exploded. Um, the, the extent of Teddy Bridgewater's injury was so severe that I would say, I don't know the exact data, but I would say, at least 80 to 90% of these guys never play again. It's that big of a deal. So he had a, a dislocated knee, from if I remember correctly. And in order to dislocate your knee, uh, and Zach Miller of the uh, of the Bears from a couple of years ago did the same injury. Um, in order to dislocate your knee, you have to tear at least three of the four main ligaments in the knee. So either the ACL, the MCL, the PCL, or the LCL. So three of the four have to be torn to, 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 in order for to justify it. Then you're talking about usually a significant meniscal injury. And you're also talking about possible injury to the nerve and to the blood vessel. Uh, so if anybody is a fan of UCF, uh, Mackenzie Milton, their star quarterback from a couple of years ago, suffered this same exact injury on a flute play at USF. Uh, I was actually a fellow at the time at USF. Um, and, 
he suffered the same injury and, and, and he went from um, a monster to possibly never playing again. I think he is going to play again. I actually think he's doing quite well, but this is not a common injury and it is a very devastating injury. So to compare Jimmy Garoppolo's injury to uh, Teddy Bridgewater's just like night and day, you, you just, you really can't compare them. It, 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 it was such a more substantial injury is the only reason that we can't include, I want to include Bridgewater, but I feel like we can't. And I think the only reason is because he only played five or six games. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. If he was the uh, starting quarterback for the entire season, or if he had picked uh, up and, the Saints, yeah, if he had picked it up and carried it throughout into the yeah, playoffs, if he did what Tannehill did, you yeah. know, yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like that, yeah, I think yeah, he could justify yeah. it. But, yeah. but unfortunately he didn't. Uh, so I think uh, you didn't get enough of a sample size to say, yeah. Uh, but, but, but here's the, the, the and, and this is a, probably a topic for a different day, but um, where does he end up next year? Yeah. Where does he end up next year? You know, is, here's the problem. Is he on the Patriots? I don't know because I don't think here's, here's the problem. I don't think Taysom Hill is the answer. This is a topic for a different day. I don't think Taysom it's Hill, fascinating. It's, it's I don't fascinating think he's discussion. the answer for New Orleans. I think he is what Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram were, is what Drew Brees and Taysom Hill are. And that's, that's the interesting part of Sean Payton. I think that's the part of Sean Payton that I will never, for all of my life, no matter how much I study football, I will never understand because no coach has ever taken two quarterbacks and made them both successful in that way. I don't mm-hmm. think I that Taysom Hill is the answer though, honestly. And, and the problem is he had so much success that that's what's expected. Yeah. He's got, yeah, I mean, he, he's been doing some crazy stuff without question. He does crazy stuff, but he does it as a gadget. I, I believe that he does it as a gadget. He is not correct. Is he Patrick Mahomes? I'd love to see him. Do, like, <laughs> I would love to see him start and finish a game as the main option and see how it plays out. It's it's one of two things. Taysom Hill is either the next Patrick Mahomes, or he's the next Robert Griffin. It's one of the two. Okay. I don't see any other, I don't, I don't, that's a huge difference, but I don't see any, any in between. I can't see him as the starting quarterback who also lines up to catch the ball, who also runs the ball, who also, I mean, in the same way that he does it right now, that's, what's so fascinating. It's a scheme fit. It's a scheme thing. And he fits it perfectly. I don't mean any disrespect to him. None. I just don't see him being a 16 week starter. That's all. Yeah, I agree. It's been a good talk. Let's do this again. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we were able to discuss some complicated injuries, com- interesting topics. Sometimes these are slippery slopes. These aren't. It's a lot of shades of gray. Yeah. Uh, there's there's not much black and white here a lot of the times, unfortunately. Um, and, and a lot of this stuff. Remember, I'm not using insider information. I'm using the same information you all have. Um, so I'm just putting my. Uh, understanding, uh, experience, medical knowledge um, to it. And that's basically what I do with all my podcasts and, uh, and stuff. I mean, I cover all injuries and all sports, but baseball and football are my, are my passions. Um, And uh, the, 
the injuries, as we saw, play a huge role in every facet of the game and um, learning to interpret yes, this guy's injured, but is he going to play? Or yes, this guy is injured. He's not going to play for three weeks. That, that, that is a, uh, a very challenging uh, uh, characteristic to try to acquire and, 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 and nourish. Uh, I, I feel like I've done a good job with it. And each year I get a little bit better and then I completely forget how to do it. And I reset the next year <laughs> and we restart the cycle over again. That's the way it is. Well, pick one. Pick one. Well, this is a comeback player of the year episode and we haven't picked one. You get one vote. Who's it going to be? I'm voting for Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go with Darren Waller. Okay. Even though it's not injury related. If you talk about injury, oh, like then, then I'd say Sanders. I like it. But um, I think um, Cooper Cup disappointed. I don't think Jimmy G did enough. Um, uh, and you can even use the latest example of last week's game versus the Packers. Where did he end? Did he throw the ball eight times or 10 times? It was eight times, eight attempts, eight attempts. Yeah, I didn't I mean, write it down. I should, I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't write it down. It was eight attempts. Yes, I agree. I mean, uh, uh, that's just what the team needed, but um, he's not throwing the ball 30, 40, 50 times. He's um, not the comeback player of the year. You know, I mean, yes, they had a fantastic record. Yes, they're in the Super Bowl, but it's not predominantly because of Jimmy G. Right. You can say that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl predominantly because of Patrick Mahomes. Without Patrick Mahomes, I don't think they're in the Super Bowl. Well, wait a minute. Now we've got a different conversation because I can't say that the Niners are in the Super Bowl because of Emmanuel Sanders. But I guess that goes back to what we said before. The degree of difficulty, the injury, the likelihood of returning. For me, it's Emmanuel Sanders. Can you say that the 49ers are in the Super Bowl because of Jimmy G? No. And and that's where I'm at. So like, oh, that that also speaks to the importance of that one specific player to the team. But um, the, I think Darren Waller was that good and effective of a player that um, he probably gave the, 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 the Raiders a couple more wins than they honestly probably deserved. Jacobs was a beast too, but, um, he was expected to be a beast. Yeah, I agree. Waller wasn't expected to do anything. You're right. I mean, he wasn't even, you know, he wasn't even uh, drafted for, 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 for most, uh, fantasy leagues, or if he was, he was way down the bottom and all of a sudden he's a top five guy. So, uh, it, it was, it's, uh, that, that's my vote. There you have it. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.